So fans who think AEW is in a bad place after the WB Discovery merger won't be too happy with the news that was said this week. John Moxley gets a new contract with some added responsibilities. Ariel Hawani calls out Tony Khan. And news and rumors surrounding returns in WWE all up next on the Squared Circle Cycle Babble. My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph will start with AEW and Warner Brothers Discovery. A lot of people... Since the merger was announced earlier this year, are speculating either really good things or the demise of AEW. And those pessimistic fans that think it's WCW all over again after the AOL Time Warner merger 20 years ago uh, think it's going to happen again with this merger. They're going to cut ties. They're going to cut the contract. Turns out uh, the chief content officer, Kat, uh, Kathleen Finch, recently spoke with Hollywood Reporter and said the following, we really play in the sports space. One of the things that we're doing around sports is creating shoulder programming to hold on to those fans. AEW pulls huge numbers. So we are working with the wrestling team to figure out what new kind of content we could build that's not in a wrestling ring. Everyone wants to talk about these ratings like they're experts. Here is someone that works in WB Discovery. That is the chief content officer saying that AEW's numbers are huge. That was the word she used, huge, and that they're looking for more content from AEW. So can we put it to, to bed now that uh, the partnership between WB Discovery and AEW is in good terms right now, despite what people want to think? Certainly seems that, and I think we'd also put to bed the notion that ratings and viewership are everything. Um, are they mm -hmm. important? Yes. But we've said for a while now that they're only one metric, you know, and I think it was right around the time with WrestleMania when all the information got, you know, tweeted out and shared about how many downloads and how many views and how many impressions like that's the world we live in now. Yes, viewership's important. Yes, ratings are important, all that type of stuff. But at the same time, a different world man people are connected to their phones there's tablets there's social media like terminology <laughs> people compare wrestling today and the the monday night wars and the ratings and all that stuff to 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 si simply what was going on during the monday night wars um and mm -hmm. that's naive and misguided because when you think of the terminology that people are using she used what con like even something as simple as content, right? Use use that terminology to somebody who's like a a, a boomer or like a, a a laggard. If you are familiar with the Vince Russo, Bell for example, a Vince yeah. Russo or a Jim Cornette that will tell you that oh, the industry's dying. Look at the ratings; they're not that good. And they say it with WWE and AEW and everything else. It's a niche product, you know. But yet those niche products, quote unquote, <laughs> are in the top five every week, and they're. In the key demographics, you see WWE having a huge bump against Monday Night Football recently. AEW against the MLB playoffs didn't really lose much audience-wise. Yeah, it went down, but down to what? Their typical baseline? All this with fans saying, oh, they're not growing their audience. Well, a flatline, I'll say, a flatlined audience with AEW, while the rest of the industry slowly declines actually means they're going up but no one wants to tell you that because they don't work in the damn industry but i digress but i i think this is good news 
We know there's been talks about a reality show. They're trying to make up for Cody Rhodes leaving and Rhodes to the top not being a part of there anymore. We heard about some women's reality show that's going to be part of AEW's, you know, portfolio, possibly like a Total Divas for AEW, which I think could help them grow a female audience. But the fact that we see a high-level executive in in WWE Discovery say, look, they're pulling huge numbers for us, and we want more content from them outside of the ring. Just goes to show you those that say AEW's dying or they're not growing or they're not doing well or they're, you know, WB's going to drop them, probably never worked a day of their life in television, and it's showing up right now. Like I was saying, the industry is different. You know, there's mm-hmm. other things that are important to people, not just viewership and ratings. So uh, some other good news from AEW, you know, one of the faces, if not the face of AEW right now is John Moxley. And it was announced that he signed a contract extension that runs through 2027. But not only that, he's getting some extra responsibilities, which also include coaching up up and coming talents and also mentoring good news for John Moxley. I actually like this move because obviously with everything going on with the likes of the CM Punk situation, the Andrade situation and Sammy Guevara, there needs to be some leadership and a guy that even before AEW was a thing, he was a big player in WWE. And even if he may have not liked the way he went out toward the tail end of his WWE career, has a lot to offer some of these young talent that are just coming from the indies and could show them, look, this works. This doesn't work. You know, doesn't actually have to be the WWE way, but I've been around the game. I've seen different promotions. I've worked at different promotions. This is what's going to work for a big audience that their experience so far is just smaller arenas right now. And yeah, you know, uh, a 4,000 seat arena for AEW to them is like an 80,000 seat arena anywhere else kind of thing. Yeah. And I, th- I think at the end of the day, they signed their franchise player, so to speak. I mean, yep. whatever ends up happening with CM Punk, Punk was going to be or supposed to be and hope to be their cash cow. Unfortunate what's happening with him is he's still going to be a member of AEW a month, two months from now. I, I don't know, even if his injury heals. Um, so that's really kind of an unfortunate two two headed monster there with punk. He's either hurt or he's got some backstage drama going on. So uh, with Moxley, they've signed the guy that's been there from the beginning, probably their most important um, and a uh, reliant champion that they've had. So good for Tony Khan to actually sign him for five more years. Right. And obviously Moxley did comment on this and said that he's not going anywhere wants to stay in AEW. Part of the contract also included that he can only work for AEW and their partners. So kind of brings back the whole WWE thing where they have exclusive, you know, they have their exclusive talent. They don't work outside of WWE. And yes, there's more flexibility with this contract where he could work with whoever AEW's working with. They don't partner with GCW, for example. Now he can't do those independent shows that he was doing. So see this, this part I actually do agree with. I'm all for guys being able to go out and make a living for themselves, do what mm-hmm. they want, perform their, their uh, whatever wrestling art to their own desire. That's, that's amazing. But when you are now the number one guy in the, one of the most prominent wrestling promotions, at least in the United States, 
if not the world. You got to prote- protect that five-year investment that you made, and you may have to tell the guy, look, no more of that. No more rolling around in glass. No more barbed wire. No more wrestling at <laughs> indie shows and VFWs. Like, we need you here. Can't risk you getting hurt there and then being the champion. And then the match with Hangman Page we're building up because, you know, maybe not on a small level, but it happened on a larger scale when he was hurt and could not work the match against Omega when he got hurt mm-hmm. in New Japan. So, no, I, I totally agree. Although he would be allowed to work with New Japan, I believe, because right. if the partnership's still there, despite this possible partnership with WWE, I don't know. That's just rumor and speculation at this point. But unfortunately, not everybody is liking Tony Khan right now. And one of those people that, may have a problem with them is Ariel Hawani. So recently Tony Khan was a guest on Ariel Hawani's show. And after the show went on the YouTube channel of Ariel Hawani's MMA hour, he brought this up and he said (laughs) that Tony Khan was quote, one of the most frustrating and to a degree, not so fun interviews of my career. And the reason why he brought this up is because he was bringing up the fact that Ariel Hawani was trying to ask tough questions and Tony Khan would not answer whether it was, you know, is CM Punk going to wrestle? How are you feeling about the situation? And whatever the case may be now, it is still going through legal action and whatever the case may be under investigation. So I see Tony Khan's point in not commenting about this and probably can't from a legal aspect and does not want to answer things. But at the same time, you have fans calling out Ariel Hawani for being a hypocrite for calling Tony Khan and saying, you're not answering the tough questions, but Triple H was recently on your show and you did not give any hard questions to him. I did not listen to either interview with Triple H or Tony Khan, but Ralph, you did. Yes. Can you confirm with some of the people's backlash that Tony Khan got hard questions and Triple H did not? I don't think Tony Khan got hard questions. I think Tony Khan got questions that anyone would expect to be asked. Asked, uh, did he, did he, he chose not to answer some of those, which legally maybe he couldn't. Um, and that's fine. Um, and I also felt like, Ariel Hawani also asked Triple H some questions that were challenge. Maybe I don't know if challenging is a word, but stuff that you you would hope that he would ask. Now he asked about the backstage altercation between the Young Bucks and CM Punk. He didn't really, you know, people are like, oh, he didn't challenge him. Well, he didn't necessarily go at him, go at Tony Khan in a very like forward forceful manner he asked the question if tony khan said i can't talk about that but i appreciate you asking he literally said that like five times he just said this is literally ariel hawani would respond fair enough let's move on that's what we would say it wasn't like pressing okay you got to give me something the one time he pressed him was when i think he asked him how he felt about the fallout with cm punk and he refused to answer it He also refused to answer a question about how MJF's contractual obligation or situation, how he feels about him using that as a part of his gimmick and his storyline. He didn't really care to comment on that. I didn't think that like, I don't think that's really that controversial of a question. He also asked him, I believe about Bray Wyatt and he kind of refused to answer questions about that. And, you know, I can understand him not wanting to answer questions about the backstage fight. I get that. But I really never got the sense that Ariel Hawani like really pushed back 
for answers if Tony Khan didn't want to answer something. The one thing I will say is this. When I was listening to it, I did feel like Ariel Hawani had this undertone of disinterest. Didn't really seem like he was into the conversation or the interview. And that could have been because he didn't think that it was a good interview based on what Tony Khan was answering. Um, I felt like he did ask Triple H some challenging questions. And if Triple H went to him and approached him and was like, look, I know you're going to ask about Vince. Don't ask about it. I can't answer questions about it. I feel like if, you know, Tony Khan had said that to him, look, I know you're going to ask about the Young Bucks fight. Don't ask about it. I can't answer it. I would imagine that Ariel Hawani's professional enough to not ask him that. Right. Um, I do think that he asked Triple H some questions uh, that I would think were, I don't know if challenging is the right way to do it, but the right way to worry it. But he asked him about Bray before he was signed. He asked him about Sasha. He asked him about the perception of the mid card titles and how, if, if Triple H feels he has to, you know, right a wrong or overcome a fan perspective perspective of those titles and the misuse of them. He asked about Brock Lesnar walking out. So, you know, I, I can't say I necessarily agree with, Oh, well he gave Triple H softball questions. I feel like, look, if you're a WWE fan, you're going to say that, you know, Tony Khan, blah, 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 did refuse to answer questions. And if you're an AEW fan, you're going to say, Oh, he didn't challenge Triple H. I thought both conversations were revealing in their own right. I thought that Triple H, in all honesty, was probably more forward than Tony Khan was, and Tony Khan was more reserved. I can understand why Ariel Hawani was a little frustrated because he didn't give him a whole lot of controversial soundbite stuff, but... As a journalist, you're trying to get information out there, and that's your job as a journalist, as an interviewer, whatever the case may be, to get those questions that people want to know. Tony Khan, in his right, though... Whether it's legal action or not, he does not have to answer them. He does not have to comment. And I, you know, I praise Tony Khan for sticking to his guns, sticking to the situation, knowing he can't answer things and he's not going to answer things. We've seen this time and time and time again that things get quoted out of context in podcasts all the time. And people tend to read just the headline, just the quote. And don't comment after comment based on that. And they don't listen to the full podcast or the full interview or the get the full context. We recently saw the same thing with Jimmy Smith on his show where people took his quote and were saying, Oh, he's bashing Roman Reigns or Roman Reigns hates him. And that's why Jimmy Smith is no part, no longer part of the raw broadcast team. When all it was, was he's answering a question that Daniel Cormier doesn't look like a fighter anymore. Roman Reigns looks like a guy that, is a big bodybuilder, but he's not a fighter, whatever the case may be, whatever the story was and got taken out of context. I think Tony Khan just simply does not want something taken out of context, especially when there's legal involvement here. There's nothing wrong with that. Helwani saying the frustration, that's fine. But then going after AEW fans and saying, Oh, you're going to get pissed off at me. And then going on Twitter and basically trying to create this, AEW fans hate me narrative, which trust me, I try to avoid Twitter as much as I can. But when I get on there, I see it on both ends. The WWE can do no wrong. The AEW can do no wrong. Even in our babble section, our comment section, they just, you got people that will just defend everything. One of the other promotions will do. 
And it's freaking annoying sometimes. But attacking the fans when they're not really involved in this, that's one of those things that you you learn in debate class or learning when you're learning to debate. Once you start insulting, you've lost the debate. That's it should be it. above this. Exactly. But yeah, he's still like commenting on, oh, look at the IWC. Look at the AEW fans getting back at me. Like, dude, just mute them. You know, WWE, they're they're making some strides with Triple H ahead of creative. And we've seen plenty of guys come back that were released recently. And it seems like more are going to be coming or speculated to be coming, rumored to be coming. Some of the names that we're hearing are Mia Yim. We're hearing... Bronson Reed, formerly known as Jonah. This is from Dave Meltzer that is saying this. I'm not sure if it was the newsletter or the news uh, wrestling observer radio. Also wrestle votes backs this up too. And saying that not only them, but Chelsea green is another target that triple H and WWE are trying to bring back. Question is Ralph, what do you think of these re- possible returns? Would you like to see Mia Yim back? Do you see Mia Yim coming back? What about Bronson Reed and what about Chelsea Green? I don't know if they need them. I mean, I don't, other than Bronson Reed, I don't know what they'd really do with Mia Yim. I don't know what they'd do with Chelsea Green. I just feel like they already have enough players there. You know, I, I don't think they need them. Do you think, though, the women's division needs a little bit more depth? You know, because it seems like we're seeing the same over and over again, and there's really only like, like one main, like, I'm raw. It's Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, and Damage Control, right? What else is going on in the women's division besides that? Rhea's involved with Judgment Day. Nikki A.S.H. disappeared after she lost to Candice LeRae. Yeah. Dewdrop hasn't been on TV. We've seen plenty of people putting up on, on Twitter or social media how although Triple H is this pioneer of women's wrestling and trying to make that a focal point in WWE, the ring... Bell to Bell matches are still pretty short on SmackDown. And when you consider, who do they have? Ronda. Shotzi Ronda. Shotzi Ronda. Raquel Rodriguez. And that's it. Now, granted, Charlotte should be coming back fairly soon. Maybe Sasha and Naomi come back. You still have plenty of women from NXT that can get called up, whether it's Toxic Attraction, Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez. You know, do they need Mia Yim and Chelsea Green? You could debate it. I think it would help. But I could also see where you're saying. And Bronson Reed, I think, actually is probably the one they don't need the most. Because what are you going to do with Bronson Reed? I mean, it's great that these, you know, Triple H is trying to right all these wrongs and these guys that got released coming back. But you don't want Triple H to pull a Tony Khan. And then people are saying, oh, the roster's too bloated. There was a reason for those cuts. They had to be made as much as people hated that to happen. Those cuts had to be made because the roster was bloated. Now they might've overkilled it, but I think triple H brought enough guys back where I don't think you really need to add too many more pieces. Who knows? But one guy that maybe not really talked about as returning to WWE anytime soon, but has made quite the name for himself in the independent scene and NWA and impact is Matt Cardona, formerly Zack Ryder. Now, he was recently in an interview with Metro where they talked about if he would ever entertain the opportunity to come back to WWE. And he said, while not really looking to go back to WWE, if Triple H called him, he would enter, he would obviously 
take the call. No one would reject the opportunity to be at WrestleMania. No one would reject the opportunity to work MSG. I agree with Matt Cardona here, Zach Ryder, whatever you want to call him. But do you think Matt Cardona could return to WWE at some point? And do you think his stock has risen enough outside of WWE where Triple H might actually do something with him that Vince McMahon didn't? Well, he was certainly very over in WWE. The problem is that was a long, long time ago when he actually was and his popularity peaked in WWE. He's gotten buzz. Good for him because this is really the second time he's done it. He got himself over in WWE. He got himself over with an entirely different type of gimmick and approach outside of WWE. And sometimes that serves somebody well. You know, I mean, if you look at Cody is probably the best example, most the best example, at least in recent history, of a guy who left the Cody that's there now is different than the Cody that was there before. Mm-hmm. Um, if Matt Cardona came back as the Mark Matt Cardona that he is portraying now, I, if you say it's himself, then that's great. I don't know. I think it could work. I think it'd be better than coming back as Zack Ryder. Yeah. I mean, he, Chelsea... say, he said it too. He doesn't want to be that. So Right. Now, if Chelsea Green comes back, to WWE, obviously I would think that helps lure Matt Cardona too, if they want to entertain that possibility of bringing him back. And you have all these couples in WWE. You have Seth and Becky. You have Cody and Brandy if they sign Brandy to a, a wrestling contract. Matt Cardona and Chelsea would be another one added there. I believe Braun Strowman and Raquel Rodriguez are dating. There's another one. They were. They were. I don't know if they still are. And Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, too. Let's not forget them. Dexter Loomis and Indy Hartwell. Granted, that's a kayfabe marriage, but still, you get my point. Miz and Maurice. You got a lot of these couples where you could do like an intergender division or a married couples division of some sort. I don't know if they'll actually do something like that, but I mean, they have enough people where they would be able to do it. Bring back the mixed match challenge. Only married couples. Got all about that. Sounds like a uh, new reality TV show. It does, but be interesting to see how that goes. But, you know, if you like this episode, give us the one, two, three, one, like this video, two, be a part of the Babel section by subscribing, and three, ring that bell to be notified so you don't miss the next episode. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Cycle Babel. You know, WWE, they're, they're making some strides with Triple H ahead of creative and We've seen plenty of guys come back that were released recently and it seems like more are going to be coming or speculated to be coming rumored to be coming. Some of the names that we're hearing are Mia Yim. We're hearing Bronson Reed, formerly known as Jonah. This is from Dave Meltzer that is saying this. I'm not sure if it was the newsletter or the news uh, wrestling observer radio. Also wrestle votes backs this up too. And saying that not only them, but Chelsea green, is another target that Triple H and WWE are trying to bring back. Question is, Ralph, what do you think of these ret- possible returns? Would you like to see Mia Yim back? Do you see Mia Yim coming back? What about Bronson Reed? And what about Chelsea Green? I don't know if they need them. I mean, I don't, I, other than Bronson Reed, I don't know what they'd really do with Mia Yim. I don't know what they'd do with Chelsea Green. I just feel like they already have enough players there. You know, I, I don't think they need them. Do you think, though the women's division needs a little bit more depth you know because it seems like we're seeing the same over and over again and there's really only like like one main like i'm raw 
It's Bianca, Alexa, Asuka, and Damage Control, right? What else is going on in the women's division besides that? Rhea's involved with Judgment Day. Nikki A.S.H. disappeared after she lost to Candice LeRae. Yeah. Dewdrop hasn't been on TV. We've seen plenty of people putting up on, on Twitter or social media how, although Triple H is this pioneer of women's wrestling and trying to make that a focal point in WWE, the ring bell to bell matches are still pretty short on SmackDown. And when you consider who do they have? Ronda. Shotzi Ronda. Shotzi Ronda. Raquel Rodriguez. And that's it. Now, granted, Charlotte should be coming back fairly soon. Maybe Sasha and Naomi come back. You still have plenty of women from NXT that can get called up, whether it's Toxic Attraction, Cora Jade, Roxanne Perez, you know. Do they need Mia Yim and Chelsea Green? You could debate it. I think it would help. But I could also see where you're saying. And Bronson Reed, I think, actually is probably the one they don't need the most. Because what are you going to do with Bronson Reed? I mean, it's great that these, you know, Triple H is trying to right all these wrongs and these guys that got released coming back. But you don't want Triple H to pull a Tony Khan. And then people are saying, oh, the roster's too bloated. There was a reason for those cuts. They had to be made. As much as people hated that to happen, those cuts had to be made because the roster was bloated. Now, they might have overkilled it. But I think Triple H brought enough guys back where... I don't think you really need to add too many more pieces. Who knows? But one guy that maybe not really talked about as returning to WWE anytime soon, but has made quite the name for himself in the independent scene and NWA and impact is Matt Cardona, formerly Zach Ryder. Now he was recently in an interview with Metro where they talked about if he would ever entertain the opportunity to come back to WWE And he said, while not really looking to go back to WWE, if Triple H called him, he would enter, he would obviously take the call. No one would reject the opportunity to be at WrestleMania. No one would reject the opportunity to work MSG. I agree with Matt Cardona here, Zack Ryder, whatever you want to call him. But do you think Matt Cardona could return to WWE at some point and Do you think his stock has risen enough outside of WWE where Triple H might actually do something with him that Vince McMahon didn't? Well, he was certainly very over in WWE. The problem is that was a long, long time ago when he actually was and his popularity peaked in WWE. He's gotten buzz. Good for him because this is really the second time he's done it. He got himself over in WWE. He got himself over with an entirely different type of gimmick and approach outside of WWE. And sometimes that serves somebody well. You know, I mean, if you look at Cody is probably the best example, most the best example, at least in recent history of a guy who left the Cody that's there now is different than the Cody that was there before. Mm-hmm. Um, if Matt Cardona came back as the Mark Matt Cardona that he is portraying now, if you say it's himself, then that's great. I don't know. I think it could work. I think it'd be better than coming back as Zack Ryder. Yeah, I mean, he kind of say he said it too. He doesn't want to be that. So right now, if Chelsea Green comes back to WWE, obviously, I would think that helps lure Matt Cardona too. If they want to entertain that possibility of bringing him back, and you have all these couples in WWE, you have Seth and Becky, you have Cody and Brandy. If they sign Brandy to a, a wrestling contract, Matt Cardona and Chelsea would be another one added there. 
I believe Braun Strowman and Raquel Rodriguez are dating. There's another one. They were. They were. I don't know if they still are. And Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, too. Let's not forget them. Dexter Lumis and Indy Hartwell. Granted, that's a kayfabe marriage. But still, you get my point. Miz and Maurice. You got a lot of these couples where you could do like an intergender division or a married couples division of some sort. I don't know if they'll actually do something like that, but I mean, they have enough people where they would be able to do it. Bring back the mixed match challenge. Only married couples. Got all about that. (laughs) Sounds like a uh, new reality TV show. It does, but... Thanks for listening to this episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. If you liked what you heard and you're listening on either iTunes or Spotify, make sure you give us a five-star review to help spread the word. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Psycho Babble. Mm-hmm.